0: Welcome to Roots Radio, a podcast about living with ALS. We are your hosts, Lenny and Jesse. Lenny was diagnosed with ALS in 2019. Jesse, myself, I'm a social worker. Together, we take a deep dive into the lives of those incredible individuals living with ALS, as well as those in the community advocating for those families who have been touched by ALS in some way. Roots Radio was inspired by Lenny's desire to help others who are living with ALS like he is. Out of his desire, Roots Radio was born. The inspiration for our title, Roots Radio, draws meaning from the belief that the roots of who we are in this world is and always will be a part of who we are, especially in the face of ALS. The roots of our experiences in the world, the companionship we seek, the love we feel, and the reflection of what. We have meant to others. These are the roots that will continue to nourish our community, despite the ever-changing nature of ALS. To quote one of our good friends, Kyle Mullins, ALS is a club that we never wanted to be a part of, but thank God there is a club. Welcome to episode 13.
1: Yes. Thank you, Jesse. Today is our 13th episode. I think we started in 2020, so we're doing roughly four a year, and we're always looking for others that would like to participate. But today, as Jesse said, we're welcoming Mark Wickelman from the great state of Oklahoma, Jakes, Oklahoma.
2: Mm-hmm. And if
1: I recall, Mark, you're not a Sooner fan, but you're a Cowboy fan, right?
2: Correct, yeah. we. Um my uh family, I should say my oldest daughter, son-in-law, and uh grandkids live here. So we re- recently moved from Texas to Jenks to be closer to them.
1: That's great. That's that's really really uh good to be close to family as you know we've all within the community know how important it is. And you know, Mark is is living with ALS. He lives with his wife, Cindy, and has two daughters, Sarah and Christy. And we first became aware of Mark through, I believe, his website that we'll get into a little bit more, developed through his passion with fly fishing. But with that being said, Mark, a warm welcome to us. We're really excited to speak with you today. So thank you for joining us.
2: Well, I thank you and Jesse for the, uh, the opportunity.
0: My gosh, we're so excited. And, um, Mark, you had told us that this is your first podcast. So that's exciting. Yeah. <laughs> and also it is our first time having somebody on the pod cast who, um, is not from the state of Pennsylvania or not somebody that either Lenny and I have already like met through a different circle so this is really even more exciting i think <laughs> yeah yeah so can you tell us lenny or um i'm sorry mark lenny had said earlier that you um are from oklahoma can you tell us a little bit about where you grew up and you know what life is like has been like for you i know you've shared with us earlier that you've explored all different parts of the country
2: yeah well, I grew up in a little town in Fremont, Nebraska, and then uh, went to college at the University of Nebraska at Kearney, where I met my wife. Now uh, we've been married thirty nine years, and then great, uh, awesome, yeah. You. Um, you know, shortly after we were married, we moved to Lotton, Oklahoma, and we didn't spend a lot of time in. In Lawton, uh, about six months, and I was transferred to Wichita Falls, Texas. It's where our oldest daughter, Sarah, was born. We lived there about three years. Then we moved to Oklahoma City, and that's where my youngest daughter, Christy, was born. We lived there about five years, and then we moved to, uh, to Tulsa, and we lived there for about 10 years. So my daughters, you know, looking back at it, uh, you know, they view Tulsa's home, kind of where they grew up. Right. Um, after Tulsa, we moved to Pittsburgh, spent about a year there, and then moved to Fort Worth, Texas, where we lived for 17 years before returning back to the Tulsa area, moving to Chanks, Oklahoma. To be closer to family. Now, with all your with
1: all your moves, I mean, they were all work related or military? So that is, does seem like the lot of, A lot of moves, today. I guess they're a pretty centralized area. I mean, primarily Oklahoma, Texas, and of course, Pittsburgh seems to be the anomaly there yeah. coming into the Mississippi.
2: Now, all the more work related moves.
0: I mean, what a, I just was, as you were describing it, I was thinking about the map, <laughs> a little <laughs> map and you and your family going to, from each place to each place yeah. and how, um, just what amount of community and, and country you've seen and, you know, each one a little bit different. Um, you said your girls felt like, probably feel like Tulsa is home. To them, do you have a place that feels, of all the ones there, that feels the most home to you? Well,
2: you know, now that we're living back in Oklahoma, I tell you what, it really feels like home. And there's something special about being around family. And uh, shortly after we moved back to uh, the Tulsa area, uh, my youngest daughter uh, had been living in New York City. And she moved back to be with us and we uh, really like to kind of help my wife out um, as this disease kind of, um, you know, um, does its thing. So right. she's there's kind of additional support. So it, it's nice having family. They're close.
1: Yeah, that is uh, very special, especially with. Your daughter coming from New York City back to Oklahoma—basically, the clash of of different cultures. I would imagine. But oh yeah. Back, and with all you moving around, do you uh, do you have friends or, you know, in any of these other places that uh, you stay in touch with?
2: I got many. I got friends all over the place. That's great. And one thing that. I kind of found out uh, when I put my website up. Um, I've got friends uh, in just about every state. And uh, um, just recently I had a group of high school buddies. One lives in Georgia. One lives in Wisconsin. Two of them still live in Nebraska. Came down and spent a long weekend with me just again just to kind of reminisce and share time together that's good and then through the the course of my work i travel a lot too so yeah i've got uh, i got a lot of friends in a lot of places yeah
1: that's the with that country, so I got a lot of friends in low places. Low
0: places, yeah. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, really, really, yeah.
0: Mark has a lot of friends in all places. <laughs> yeah,
1: all places. Yeah. Three letters, but you were you were in the logistics industry, right? Where I guess true. movement of freight, freight movement.
2: Yeah, I was in a small package business, um, and uh, uh, covered part of Texas and uh, New Mexico was my territory. Ed, did you,
1: so you, you weren't doing sales, you were the logistical Ed to make sure that you had the appropriate inventory, got ship where it needed to be shipped and followed up with it, is
2: that? Yeah, actually I was a, an engineer and uh, my, I had a team that I worked with and we did a lot of Uh, planning as far as capacity planning. Uh, We looked at manning plans. Um, One of the things that they're working through right now is getting ready for peak, that surge of volume that comes through uh, during the Christmas time. Right. So always trying to make sure that we have the resources in place to handle the demands of
1: the shippers, well, That's pretty cool. I imagine that uh, this time of the year that would certainly not be lacking in stress as you want to make sure that every parcel got where it was supposed to get in the time frame that it was yeah. promised. And I got to tell you one thing I've always been amazed with is like Federal Express. Yes. How do you get how do you get things overnight? I just don't I I you know, give you fifteen dollars you're gonna get this overnight to California. I, I just do that's probably dating myself, I'm sure it's a lot more now, but so yeah, so um I certainly don't underestimate your ability your your ability to to reason and logic as part of the <laughs> supply chain. I mean that's uh must have a lot of gratification associated with it.
2: Yeah. Oh, I could think I had a pretty good team back in the
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely.
0: Well, Sorry, Lenny, but I just was thinking like what an evolution you have seen probably, you know, Lenny, you said you dated yourself, but like even just in the last 20, 30 years, how different shipping is, you know, and, and the, the, how, you know, it never used to be that you could get things in less than a week, two weeks. And now it's like, people don't order things if it's not coming in two days, you know? So like, I would imagine you really have seen, um, a wide range and, and change in, in that industry. And, and I mean, I have no doubt you probably also were a big, a big part of having it go so smoothly. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and it was very exciting to see that, too, in Mm -hmm. the way it kind of all evolved. And then we had that uh, thing called COVID, Mm -hmm. which really changed a lot of the dynamics in that industry as it pertained to Mm e-commerce. And I think that really put e-commerce on the map. And people got pretty um, used to just clicking on a button. And then looking on their doorstep the next day uh, for that particular item. So it uh, really kind of changed the face of the industry.
0: Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Well, cool. I'm sure you could write a book just about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Lenny, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there, but you were, yeah. I think, getting ready to ask about the next, next big thing.
1: Oh, I'm sorry, I have myself on mute. Oh, you're okay. Uh, Yeah, my bad. See, we're not a professional show. Still <laughs> working out the cakes pretty much on my side. Oh. But what I was saying was, that's what amazes me about Amazon. Okay. I mean, it the idea that you click and you get it the next day—I mean—and I didn't really do Amazon until I got sick, and then certainly until COVID happened. Yeah, but it was amazing. I just—I to this day, I don't know how it's done, and it's just—it's like magic as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. So, to so move it off from that work. One of the things that we spoke about in our pre podcast interview was your passion for the outdoors. In particular, your passion for fishing, which then got a fire point on it when that evolved into fly fishing that I believe you've been doing avidly over the last 20 years or so. So, how about share some of that background with us yeah. how you got your excitement for the outdoors and the fishing, fly fishing and some of the experiences that you've had there because I'd imagine um, that you know a lot of us, I mean I've done some fly fishing and there's lots of fishermen out there.
2: Oh yeah, well I was fortunate my my dad you know was and still is an avid outdoorsman and he uh, shared his passion with our entire family. Uh, so some of my earliest memories involved going fishing with my dad. Uh, so I guess I always had fishing there as part of my life. Um, and you know, as I grew up, um you know, we'd go on fishing trips and camping trips and you know as I moved away from and went to college. You know, I'd still come home on the weekends uh, and to to go fishing with my my dad and my younger brother. And as time went by, and we moved around a lot. When um, we went to uh, Pittsburgh, I ran into a guy at work by the name of Pete, and he was an avid fly fisherman And we got talking, and I had a fly rod and a few flies, and I'd experimented with it a little bit, but really never took it serious. And uh, he invited me to go fishing with him. And uh, I tell you what, went out to a little stream called Slippery Rock in Pennsylvania and just fell in love with it. Um, he he helped me with my casting, taught me some techniques about presentation, and just the scenery, the the surroundings. And so, you know, after that, you know, I I became, you know, hooked on fly fishing, I guess you could say, and even took it to the next step of tying my own flies. And uh, I'm fortunate that uh, I can still enjoy tying flies today.
1: That's uh, I've never tied flies, but I've certainly watched enough videos and talked to friends that do it, and it looks like it's such a therapeutic hobby, especially if you tie your own flies, and you end up with your limit. I mean, it's just got to be really, really a deep feeling to do that.
2: Yeah, it really is. I can. Still visualize and remember the first trout that I caught on a fly that I I had tied myself, and that, that's a real special feeling, real satisfying.
1: Right. What did, what what did you what was the allure of fly fishing? Was it the the degree of difficulty? You know, learning how to cast. You know, like you said, drag free drag free cast. Um, fly fishing in a you know in a narrow creek with trees all around you or yeah you know, what are my challenges you know, I can cast but finding the fish that was always a challenge for myself. Yeah. And the scenery or what 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 really do you really take a lot of what part of it really satisfies you?
2: You know, I think it's the setting that I was in. You know, standing there, kind of in the middle of a stream. And you had the flowing water, you had the trees, you had all the wildlife around you. Um, It was just kind of quiet. It was very, very peaceful. And it was a great way to kind of um, unwind and recharge your battery, I guess you could say. Right. And of course, there was always that anticipation of catching a fish that kept you going.
1: And what were you probably going after trout?
2: yeah, when I fly fish, trout was probably the species I targeted the most um summertime you know i'd go I'd still go back one week a year to fish with my dad and uh, there's a little sand pit back home that had some wonderful bluegills in it and uh, They're an awful lot of fun to catch on a fly rod as well. But primarily it was trout that we were fishing for.
1: That's awesome. I know, uh, I mean, I like trout. I was never successful. I I should, you know, obviously a lot of things in hindsight now, but would have been nice if I had done it. But I used to enjoy every year for five or six years going up to uh, upstate New York. Um, outside of uh, uh, was it Pulaski or Oswego for the salmon run, and that was always awesome catching it on a using a fly rod and going after these you know thirty uh, six inch salmon that were coming up uh, the Salmon River to spawn. And mm-hmm. That was that was a lot of fun. You just using little 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 eggs, little because they're like. They're not really feeding, they're just really they're aggravated, they're irritable so anything that gets in the way, you just eat. Although once again they seem to eat a lot of other people's flies in the bio, but nonetheless it was still fun for a lot of the same reasons. Yeah. CBC had been jumping out of the stream and going up to you. It was something like that, you know, natural geographic that I never really saw firsthand until I went there. I love this
0: idea um. Also, about like reframing sport, you know, because I think people often think of sport as this, you know, indoors or you know somewhere where you're um did by things that have been created for the enjoyment of the sport right the the stadium the the equipment the all that kind of stuff you know very kind of um manufactured to to allow the sport to happen instead of this is such the reverse of be one in the na- you know be one in nature go out to the what has been is here and has been here and will continue to be here and 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 step into this other so, I mean that it just seems very um that just 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 peaceful and almost like a deeper connection than just going out to try to catch a fish, you know, or that's how it it feels to me hearing you describe it
2: yeah, i mean it, it like I said, it's one of those things I thoroughly enjoyed and just kind of a way to recharge your battery kind of decompress and, and uh and uh, just, again, enjoy the, the great outdoors. Mm-hmm.
1: It makes no doubt about it. It's all a lot better if you catch a fish. <laughs> yeah.
2: Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: it doesn't matter what it is, how big it is. I used to hate back skunk. If I caught the little <laughs> trout out there, it was a good day.
2: Yeah, yeah. That's and so you so did
1: cool. you did a lot of travel with it too, right, Mark? You've had I, I know you shared with us some of your your memories and your your bucket list type of things. You want to
2: oh, share yeah. some of that with us? Yeah, there's a couple that come to mind, and probably the the last uh, fly fishing trip that I took was like a bucket list uh, trip. My When uh, I was diagnosed with ALS, um, I could tell there were changes taking place in my body. And work was becoming more and more difficult. So I worked a few months, and then I retired. And then uh, people that I had worked with over the years were very gracious and gave me a very nice retirement gift That I used on a fishing trip to the White River in Arkansas and stayed in a very nice lodge, uh, the White River Inn, um, got guides. My brother was able to go with us, my son in law, and then my son in law's father. And I mean, everything set up just wonderfully. Uh, The weather cooperated. The fish cooperated, uh, the scenery was beautiful. So one of my last experiences fishing, you know, very, very memorable. And then one I, I really like to share with people um, because I like to kind of get them going. Is, uh, I don't know how many people can say that they fly fish with rocket scientists. Yeah. but uh, Probably I
0: can't. <laughs> yeah, or that yeah. they've even met a met a rocket <laughs>
2: Yeah, that's yeah, so when you say that, it kind of they kind of perk up a little bit and want to hear a little bit more. But there is a place that I'd go fishing quite a bit in New Mexico. Uh, it's on a ranch called the Mocad Ranch, and it's a beautiful area. And there's about five miles of spring fed trout water to fish. Well, I'm out there uh, one day fishing, and Charlie the rancher comes up to me and he's mentioned that uh, there might be a couple other guys out there fishing over the course of the next couple of days. They were from Sweden. And they were working at the White Sands Missile Ranch. And sure enough, I came across them. And I was having a pretty good day. Uh, the fish were cooperating. I got toxic to them. And they were struggling a bit. And so I took a look at what they were using and shared with them some of the flies that I was catching my trout on. And, of course, they wanted to pay me, and I said, no, I enjoy time flies and, and hope these work for you. And I always told people I gave flies to that they, you know, had a money-back guarantee. If they didn't work, you could always give them back. <laughs> yeah. And I got, then I got kind of thinking about it, and I, and I said, you know, there is something that you guys could do for me, if you would. I said, when you get back to Sweden, if you would tie on one of these flies and cast it into one of the streams or one of the lakes you fish in, um, I'd appreciate it. I said, in that way, I can, I can say uh, something that I've tied has been used all over the world. And uh, they agreed to that. And little did I know that years later, that would have an impact on my life.
1: I think that is, I think that's just neat. Yeah. Yeah. You know, sharing with with others from a different continent, different country, different culture. And you had fishing in common that day, as well as you have fishing in common now. With anybody anywhere that may use one of your flies, yeah. I just think that's, I think that's awesome.
0: So, did they send you a picture? I never got it. I didn't get a picture
1: or anything. Well, rocket scientists are pretty busy, so.
0: That's true. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It was interesting. They designed the fuel delivery system. For the rocket that's supposed to take man to Mars. So I was pretty impressed. Pretty impressed. And uh,
1: what is, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about Wix Fly Fishing at dot com, your website there?
2: Okay. It was just a moment here. Uh, okay. Thank you. I'm sorry about that. That's okay. Uh, but Wink's fly fishing adventure really kind of developed out of that interaction I had uh, with the two gentlemen from Sweden. And you know, um, you know, the days of being able to go ahead and stand out in the middle of a stream and cast and, and reel in a fish for me are over. I just physically can't do that anymore. But however, I can still tie flies and I enjoy that. So I was talking with my family and we said, hey, wouldn't it be neat if your flies were used in waters all over the country and we could keep track of what states they've been used in, what lakes, what streams. So we just kind of brainstormed and my youngest daughter Christy um, developed a website called winks fly fishing and on that website tells a little bit about you know, my passion for fishing it talks about ALS and if you want to participate in the adventure it's real simple if You're in a state that I don't have a volunteer. Uh, You can order uh, two free woolly buggers and I'll send them to you. And the only thing I request is when you use them on a stream or a lake, that you send me a picture of that body of water. So. just a Hello? just a moment here. Oh, sorry. No yeah, I'm fine. I'm in a hotel. I'm oh, tra- yeah. Traveling with my wife for the next couple of days.
1: Yeah. yeah. Good for you. Good for you.
2: Hopefully, we so can how- edit that out. What's that? Hopefully, you can edit that out. Oh, uh, yeah.
0: No <laughs> worries. It's,
1: it's no, no. That adds to the authenticity, of course. <laughs> Yeah. Of our show.
0: Well, thank you for um, fitting us in, even on change yeah. of plans. Yeah. That's a real honor.
1: Yeah, yeah, we do appreciate that. So here's that good.
2: curiosity.
0: Excuse me, Al, sir. Up. Yeah, you know I'm recording.
2: Oh, I was... is there something you need? Yes, I'm here working on the air conditioning. I just need two minutes with the thermostat, and I'll be out. Okay. Can you be quiet? Yes, sir. All right. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about there you that. Go. Hey, that's okay.
1: This is this is a live show. <laughs> we don't we don't edit anything out. Of it what goes goes. But <laughs> yeah. but um, what kind of reception has your website got? I mean, how many how many people have you know how many uh, looks have you had or shares and how you many states over, are you represented in?
2: Sure, we got over sixteen hundred hits on our website. Wow. Mm-hmm. I've got volunteers in 40 of the 50 states. Uh, we've started posting some pictures that have, are coming back into us. Um, I've got some great pictures from a gentleman in Utah. Uh, he must be pretty savvy with a with a high pro because he shows the fish being released underwater and swimming away. It's pretty impressive. Wow. That um, is yeah. But no. it's and then what's really neat is we're hearing from people all over the country. Um some friends that I haven't heard from since I played Little League Baseball. Um, and then we're making new friends all over the country you know i'll get an email oh my i know so and so sorry to hear about you know als love to help you out on your adventure can you send me a couple of woolly buggers? and uh, i send them all so it's been a lot of fun um to go ahead and, and interact with everyone And again, right now it's just been word of mouth, and been pretty amazing. And then I always share our website with people. If they just want to follow along, uh, they can check in and see how we're progressing. That
1: is. That is. That's cool. cool. Yeah. That's cool. As I listen to you. I've got other ideas streaming through my head. My, I have. I generally have good plans. Just that execution part that kind of foils me at times. But that's really inspiring, uh, Mark, and I think that that gives a lot of people, you know, in the in the you know a lot of pals in the ALS community, an idea of what they could do. With their own challenge, their own journey. Yeah. Thinking of how they can reach out beyond beyond their home, beyond their house, and so forth, is still a great joy out of a passion that they can no longer participate in, but still participate vicariously vicariously.
2: Yeah. And so, I tell you, I tell you when I see those pictures, I I can visualize. Stepping into that water. Uh, yeah. I can feel the weight of that fly rod in my hand and the tug on that line when the fish takes it. I mean, so it's like you said, you know, it's it, it, to me, it's like being there. I'm not, my flies are, but those pictures help me really make that connection.
1: That is uh that's nice. That's real, real. That's really nice. That's real inspiring. And hopefully, people listening to today's podcast could think of ways that they could do something similar. Maybe not with flies, but other travel aspects. You know, like the kids used to do with the flat Stanley doll. Send it around. Everybody slides it. Send it to the next person. But that's uh, that's really good work. I I get goosebumps just listening to you talk as well as reminiscing about my own experiences out there fishing. Particularly, I used to do a lot of uh, smallmouth bass fishing in the Susquehanna and just throwing the spinner in there and getting the tug on the line. uh, Very, very nice. I'm I'm so happy you've got those memories that you're still able to participate if not personally, but at least vicariously, and you have that muscle memory, if you will, to remember what it was like. So, moving out here to something that we kind of call adjust and adapt, we like to share with people. You know the um, what it was like when you were first diagnosed. What kind of symptoms? You know, how did it all come about? And, you know, anything that you could possibly share with people that that they, they should consider that you think may be helpful to them and their family as, you know, they move forward?
2: Yeah. One of the things I was hesitant to do was look for help. Because uh, early on, I didn't feel like I, I needed a lot of it. Um, you know, they talked about, you know, do you have somebody to talk to? Well, I didn't really feel the need for that. Um, they had support groups, you know, other people that had ALS. And I didn't really feel like I needed that. And I think actually I was a little scared of it. You know, I didn't want to go to a, a meeting. And right. silly, three people that were in a power chair yes. or had, you know, were breathing through a, a mask. Uh, and I think I shared with you. I mean, I, I even got to the point where I stopped watching the Big Bang Theory. And as silly as it seems, you know, I was always afraid that they'd have like Stephen mm-hmm. Hawking's on there. And that's just, I wasn't ready to see that. But I tell you, after time went by, some of the best decisions I made was, were, talk to somebody. Uh, My daughter got online and uh, found a group called ALS Family of Faith. And they provide people, care partners. that talked to you about ALS, about things you can do, about you know, from a spiritual aspect, uh, and uh, really, really helped me, really helped me understand what was taking place, and helped me from a spiritual perspective to kind of reconcile some things in my mind. I started going to the uh, ALS local chapter meetings there in Tulsa. You know what? I met some incredible people with ALS. And it was really, really beneficial to talk to them. I could share with them some of these little tricks, you know, these things that I had to do to adapt. And they did the same with me. and so it, I mean, in starting to develop new friendships and relationships, I tell you, one of the things that's amazed me is the people and relationships that I've started to make since I was diagnosed with ALS. It's one of the wonderful things that this disease has done, it's just exposed me to a lot of other people. And uh, I encourage you, you know, make sure you got somebody to talk to. Take advantage of these resources; they really do help, and they are very beneficial.
1: And I think that your experience, you know, how you approached it, and I can say this from talking with others as well as my own experience, I was the I was the same. You yeah, first my first appointment with my doctor, you know, and being invited to support groups. I went to one support group, and I said, I, I don't need this. I don't need to talk with somebody. And a lot of it was fear. I didn't to go to the ALS walk that we have here as a fundraiser. For the same reason you did. I just didn't want to see what the future helped for me. But then, honestly, with Jesse's help, and with a wonderful wife that I have, that Marta, who was, whatever you want to do, sweetheart, we'll do it. And knowing that she was there, and it just made the world of difference. And since I've been diagnosed, really, since like, well, this Roots Radio, this podcast, was a big part of helping me reach out to people and be open and talk and not afraid. It has. It's opened the whole new... Well, it's, it's I've become part of a community here, not an ALS community, but a community of friends and people that support me and people that, you know, like me and that I can rely upon and we watch baseball games, football games, cook outside, et cetera, et cetera. So I hear you, Mark. I would encourage anybody to not just want to, you don't just talk to a counselor or a social worker, but get to know the other people that are affected. And you'll find that you're able to share a lot of the same stories and a lot of the same concerns and fears. And while it doesn't make those go away, it just makes you, as Kyle Mullins said at the beginning when Justin quoted, there is a club out there that, that you may never want to be a part of, but thank God there is a club. And I just encourage people to to cast that fear away, and what you do, a whole other world opens up to you. So I, I, without a doubt, I uh, wholeheartedly agree with you, and I'm so happy that you had the the courage and the sensibility to reach out. Could you no, guys no, no, no.
0: say this is? I this is just out of curiosity. I'm thinking about how it is often phrased, just like you guys said, as like, don't be, you know, we're here. Don't be afraid to reach out. These are the options that are available, support groups, you know, things like that. But almost if it were a prescription, right? Like, you know, you get a prescription to take medication or to get a piece of equipment or something that, you know, it is crucial to be connected to other folks in this community. Um, You know, I'm almost, I'm just thinking about meeting new folks who are diagnosed every day and how being, you know, not putting as much the onus on them to, you know, feel comfortable enough to show up at one of these events, because I almost think it takes that connection first in order to then feel comfortable to go to one of those, you know, a support group or something. Does that make, does that sound right to you guys?
2: Yeah. It's that first step is hard, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think everybody probably processes, you know, hey, you know, I've got this disease Mm -hmm. a little differently, but there's a lot of similarities, Mm-hmm. Now, just as Lenny described, they're kind of the same thing. You, know, you really don't want to at first see what the disease looks like. Mm-hmm. But after you, you see people that are experiencing the same thing as you are, it's not as lonely. It's mm-hmm. not as scary. I mean, you got, you know, unfortunate. And it's not like Lenny's too. I got a wonderful support group of family and friends, okay? But still, talking to somebody that's experiencing some of the same things that you are and going through really kind of puts you at ease a little bit, and you can share with each other, um, you know, some, hey, this is how I've dealt with that particular situation. And you know, again, I was pretty hesitant, but after the first meeting, I noticed that I was kind of missing out and maybe even being a little selfish and that I wasn't sharing some of my experiences with others that may benefit from it. That's hmm. that's a, that's a, that's a real good, yeah, that's a
1: real
2: good point. Yeah,
1: that's one thing that uh, I do try to share with people is that it's so easy to make somebody feel special. And by reaching out and talking with them and sharing your experiences, there's a, recipro- a reciprocal feeling there that you're helping them and as well as you're making your you know gratification out of helping some out of helping somebody. I, I I know, Mark, that you had also shared with us the importance of your spirituality, your spiritual connection, as you work through this with your family. Could you just share a little bit of of that with us as well?
2: Oh, I'll try to, without being tearful. How's that sound? Because it's a, uh, I'm And I think we all are. If you have ALS, it's a journey. Um, I never planned on having it. Uh, You know, my plans were probably like a lot of people, you know, work hard, retire. I was going to go fishing and hunting and travel. But God had a different plan. And he didn't give me ALS. Because I did something bad. And he doesn't do that to anybody. We just live in a sinful world. Okay. But he can take this awful disease and bring some good about it. In my life, he has drawn me closer to him to where I trust in him more and more every day. And, you know, if you read scripture, You see where he takes hold of you by your right hand. He's got a hold of you. He's right there. And just knowing that, I tell you what, there's been a lot of nights that I was scared. You know, I've got some breathing issues. But just going back over and thinking about his presence, um, ALS Family of Faith. Uh, Stephen, my care partner um, introduced me to some books by Sarah Young, and one of them's "Jesus Always," and uh, the other one is "Jesus Calling." Great devotions, and I tell you, it's almost like she wrote them for the ALS community because it talks about. Finding strength in your weakness. Hey, you may be weak, but that makes you rely on your Savior's strength. And there's hope. And again, view it as a journey. I tell you, at the end of this journey, it's got something wonderfully planned for each and every one of us. And it.
1: Sorry, go ahead, Bark.
2: Oh, that's it. So, kind of one of my, my goals is I don't want to ever get angry because I've got this disease. I don't want to get depressed. I want to live each day to the fullest. Don't focus so much on the future to where you miss out on today. And let God's light shine into you and reflect into those around you.
1: That is uh, wonderfully articulated. Mm -hmm. And regardless of where people find the comfort, whether it's through a spiritual connection or a secular connection, I think the, the important point there is that there are ways to use your free will and make a choice. And hopefully that choice will be, you know, screw it. I gotta do the best I can. And I think once you do that and you accept where you are and maybe put aside, you know, the the YB type of thoughts. And you have community with you, you can make it a notwithstanding the disease, but a wonderful experience as you opened yourself up to others and others opened themselves up to you. So that was that was wonderfully stated. And I'm, I'm glad that you've been able to find that that comfort through your connection spiritually.
0: Gosh, that's so, so beautiful. That's so beautiful.
1: I guess moving on now is that one of the things that we had talked to Mark about as part of our pre-podcast interview which we try to do and hopefully makes it a smoother discussion but as you can see there are unforeseen events that happen which once again add to the authenticity of this but we were brainstorming with Mark, Jesse and I about having some type of fly fishing tournament that could either uh, further connect the ALS community and friends within the community. When I say community, it's not just people with ALS, but everything—friends, family, doctors, researchers, whoever was whoever was interested. But one of the things that I had, and it's quite common, yeah, you know, we had a golf fundraiser for ALS. We raised, we did it seventeen thousand dollars, which I distributed to um, the Ellis families, as well as to uh, associations. So me personally, I did not benefit a penny from it other than the benefit that I got by sharing financially with others that were strapped more than I was. And we got talking about, hey, could this happen to fly fishing? So I don't know if you've given it more thought, any more thought, Mark, about maybe... See how a fly fishing tournament could be worked into this and connecting people. So, not to put you on the spot, but have you, you given any more thought to it?
2: You know, I actually have, and I've considered a couple locations that it would be doable, and I've kind of floated it out there to a couple people. So, still in the very early stages of it, yeah. just trying to find out. If there's any interest and how, you know, if we can do it at these certain areas, what would, you know, what would that require? But there's a couple, there's a couple places in Oklahoma that have trout year round that would give us a lot of flexibility. I just have to kind of work, you know, with the state to find out what's, you know, what's possible.
0: Well, well, you got two Pennsylvanians right here yeah. <laughs> that would be more than willing to help you. Yeah. Um, on this side of the, th- uh, you know, if there's anything we can do, I mean, I, I think every second person I talk to in this area has such a passion for fishing and we're right yeah. here on the Lehigh. So um, anything we can do to help um, spread the word you know get involved we'd love to i think lenny and i both have seen such joy and privilege in helping others achieve their dreams in a lot of ways um and we would love to help however we can okay and so that would be great i've never fished before so maybe this will be my first time
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah i'm more than happy i think i bet you to your mark to, to help, I learned a lot with our golf tournament. Albeit a little easier to try to organize a fly fishing tournament, but yeah, I we'd be more than happy to. And um, I do have that on my list to get back with you or brainstorm more about it. But uh, it's amazing how fast time flies anymore. But I, I think that'd be a wonderful. But nonetheless. The idea that you have to fly fish around the country, around the world, through your flights your own flies, I think is wonderful, and that would make a wonderful party gift for participants in the fly fishing tournament.
2: Yeah.
0: Oh, that's a great idea. Um, now, Mark, you you told us you're looking for some volunteers in your state, in certain states, for your website. What does it entail to be a volunteer?
2: All right. Let me see if I got the states. Okay. Indiana, I need a volunteer. Kentucky, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts. Nevada, New Hampshire, New York, North Dakota, Ohio, Rhode Island, Vermont.
0: Beautiful. Okay. So if you are somebody, so a volunteer is somebody who lives in that state who would assist with making the flies for you? Is that how the volunteering works?
2: No. Oh. Actually, all all you have to do is go to our website. There's a place there where you can order a set of flies, and I'll send them to you. Okay. And then there's a little card on there, again, that kind of goes over what help I need. And really all I need... Is for you to use them in the waters of your state. So if you go fishing and you fish with them in a stream, just email me. Hey, I went out to such and such a stream and used your fly. If you want to send pictures, oh, I'd love that. And we'll post that to our website so people can keep track of that. So I'll send you. Two olive green woolly buggers that I've tied. And all I ask is you use them and uh, let me know where so I can update uh, our map so people can follow along. So
0: that's 12 more states, right? Is that 12, 12 more. And then you right. will have gotten the whole country? Yeah. All right. Well, you heard that, folks. I'm gonna. I'm already thinking. Who do I know that lives in?
2: <laughs>
0: Maryland. I just
2: just got an email this morning from a guy in British Columbia.
0: Oh, yeah.
2: So somebody passed a, a couple flies to him. So it's, yeah, again, it's just fascinating to kind of watch this thing develop and grow. Hmm.
1: That's that's. That's cool. Yeah. That is just cool. Yeah. Well, Mark, thank you so much for your time and interest and willingness to share some of your thoughts and private moments with the rest of the community and with whoever happens to listen to our podcast.
2: Well, Lenny and Jesse, it's it's been a, a privilege. To spend time with you on your podcast
0: today thank you for ha- thank you for coming this was yeah. this is so fun and um we will we will be in touch because there's more dreaming to happen here I have a, a good feeling about it <laughs>
2: okay cool
0: <laughs> well thank you guys so much and um stay tuned for what's next <laughs> uh, okay.
1: Bye-bye.
0: Bye, Bork. Bye. Bye, then. Wow, Lenny. Mark Winkleman, what an incredible conversation. I feel like I'm just uh, sort of in awe of that hour-long conversation we just had with him. Could have been 12 hours, I think.
1: Right, that was very. It was very enjoyable, and I just think his his idea that he was able to put into motion with having fly his own flies used around the world. I think is 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 great.
0: Yeah, and what like? But, oh my gosh, just such a beautiful example of taking you know something that you love and he very easily could have you know anger over the inability to do it the same way he used to be able to could very easily could have been the route you know but right. instead he found a way to continue to find joy in something and you can just hear it in his voice you know when he's talking about it how much joy and excitement it brings him um i just it's just so inspiring
1: That is, it's uh and i also liked that he was able to share some of his experiences and how he faced being diagnosed and stuff because i do think that that is i think that we all have that in common Mm -hmm. i'd be surprised if somebody had a exceedingly different experience during that first year or six months after being diagnosed. So I appreciated him sharing those things with us.
0: Yeah. What a guy. So
1: our next podcast, we'll get back to Eva Dubbers, which will be podcast 14, hopefully sooner than later.
0: Yes. Yes. Thank you, Lenny. This was, as always, this was, this was a, a, a treat. So grateful to do this with you.
1: Okay, Jesse, thank you very much, and everybody have a great day.
0: You too. Bye. Go, Phillies. Bye. Yep, go,
1: Phillies. <laughs>